Hello and welcome to the Bleeding Heart Scotchcast. I'm Jack Shuttleworth and today joining me are Brian Maitland and Scott Reich. Today we take a look at the US presidential election. We give you our thoughts on Borat 2, subsequent movie film. And we also discuss Boris's botched Brexit deal. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get at it. Welcome to the welcome to the podcast. How's everyone feeling today? I'm feeling fantastic. How are you, Jack Shuttleworth? Oh mate, I am absolutely cock out because you know it's a good day. The orange man is leaving the White House. Well, Hopefully. we don't know that for sure yet. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we 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 think Pennsylvania might declare at some point during our recording. So we'll just you know, I say that we'll keep you updated as if like you know. People two weeks later are going to be listening to this going, <laughs> no, he's definitely out, you know. <laughs> Electric Bigelow's already started, um, you know. Um, but the sad news is that it wasn't Bernie Sanders that beat him. Bernie Sanders. Uh, Bernie Sanders. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, how, how do we feel at the fact that we've got someone that we're, you know, we're content with him, but we're not exactly over the moon with him. Well, I think I think this is just uh, classic Democrats' uh, antics. I think I mean, like we here in Scotland would love you know Bernie Sanders to uh, to, <laughs> to, to to drain the swamp, um, but uh, it's more Democrat antics of uh, putting uh, you know their elite um, political class uh, into the big boots. You know, um, they did this last year, uh, last time in twenty sixteen with Hillary Clinton, and that um, absolutely tanked them in the polls, and that's why Donald Trump won. And uh, I think the Democrats have come out lucky this time that by that Trump was just bad enough that uh, you know um, Biden's managed to push ahead. I, I think the reason Biden's winning is not because he's you know a fantastic man, which I'm I'm, I'm not arguing, but um, I just think Bernie Sanders would have been better. But I think Bernie uh, I think Biden is lucky uh, that Trump was that much bad, that much worse than him. That um, he just seems to be doing better. Yeah, I feel like it's basically saying to the American people, do you want this turd polished or fresh? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Like, all roads lead to hell at this point for America. Oh, that's true. I mean, you know, but I just, I, I don't even know. I mean, I just feel that, I feel that the Democrats just needed someone that was going to win. You know what I mean? I don't feel like they, because I think if they'd put up... um someone else i mean one of the one of the other ones that was running for it like elizabeth warden or something like that or bernie sanders like i think that the possibility was that they weren't gonna get it past the line but they had faith in joe biden you know what i mean he mm-hmm. was he was a sort of elder statesman the guy that was that he's old-fashioned washington you know he's old-fashioned mm-hmm. washington and i think that um to be honest i think he might be the leader they need at this time you know someone who yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's and his time used to stretch across the aisle and stuff like that. You know, can make compromises and everything. So, but I don't I don't know, th- we'll have to just wait and see. I think. I don't think Biden knows he's on the ballot. <laughs> I think he's watching TV, wondering if Obama's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> like I think, I think it's so harsh that like you know, like just social media. <laughs> he's not even won yet, and we're already taking the piss because he's just <laughs> ripping him apart. <laughs> <laughs> just because he's so old, but he is proper old. Though. I mean, we we come from an island where leaders are in uh, what like forties, forties, late forties. Yeah, yeah, and like we're used to seeing someone with a bit of 
you know, bit of fire about them, bit of spunk, you know, just someone who's not, you know. I mean, look at Maddie Black just screaming her head off at Scots in Parliament. Yeah, I mean, I think we've, we've definitely got leaders that are young. I think America's got, you know, leaders that are young and um, are coming through the House and the Senate just now. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, because you, I mean, you look at AOC and stuff like that. I mean, that oh, yeah, like very that. young, very energetic, very mm-hmm. passionate. Yeah, yeah. If you look um, at her Twitter right now, she's just arguing with people about Star Trek. I'm not <laughs> kidding. She's doing that. To be honest, if I was American, I would be distracting myself as much as, <laughs> as well. So, yeah. Um, but what's been our highlights of the campaign? I think my highlights um, of this have been just how close it's been and how exciting it's been. Um, like, I had, uh, you know, great hopes of uh, Trump winning, not because I want him to win, but because I had a, a tenor riding on him. And uh, either way, I was going to wake up the day after uh, Trump's uh, the election um, a happy man, because either Biden would win the election or I would be able to afford a Domino's. <laughs> and that's really what I was after. Um, yeah. As opposed to the actual campaign... Um, you know, I think it's, it's just not been, it's, well, it hasn't been as exciting this time round. Um, like, I, I, I put that down to COVID and the fact that, you know, the Democrats haven't been, um, you know, starting all these like huge rallies that Trump has, uh, these super spreader, um, or what, what the media are calling like super spreader rallies. Um, I think Biden has been very sensible about that. But, you know, I, I, mean, I don't really fancy watching Trump rallies myself. Um, but I think it's sort of led to a rather lackluster election campaign. Um, the thing about American elections is that they're always characterized as this like massive sports event thing, like the Super Bowl. But it's just not really been like that this year. And yeah, put, let's put that down to coronavirus. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to lie, I just haven't been feeling it this year. Scott? No. I'm just glad Hillary lost yet again. <laughs> Her name wasn't even on the ballot. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think like, but the thing is, when you were watching these rallies and stuff, like, they were still going for Hillary, you know. And I'm like, she lost. There's chance of lock her up at, at, at one of them. Um, that was funny. But yeah, I mean, you know, they were they were just going full blown against democracy at some point. They were like, you know what, lock everyone up. You know, Governor of Michigan, Fauci, you know, the head of the FBI. You know, they were just they were just going absolutely nuts at these rallies. And I think you're right. Ryan, in the sense that the democratic rallies have been very subdued. They've been very, you know, they've been like, I think near the end, like closer to election day, they started doing car parks and everything like that. And that was pretty cool. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, but <laughs> just like press ones with like little circles on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think when you're, when you're aiming for the lowest common denominator in, in US elections, you know, big, shouty, you know, mm-hmm. lots, of, yeah. lots of smoke and fireworks type of thing, like, and, and at a show, you know, Donald Trump's good at that. That's what he's good at. But mm-hmm. as we're seeing from the election, I think, you know, people were just sort of not, you know, turning around to that and saying that's not going to work this time. You know, we've seen what's been happening <laughs> for the last four years. Now. I completely agree. Because if you look at like 2016 election, you had Trump saying he was going to build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. You had Sanders saying they were going to have free health care and make Trump pay for it. Off in the corner, you had Jeb Bush asking people, like, please clap. 
you had, Hillary, you had Hillary Clinton just being like, I am a woman and we should make Pokemon go to the polls. And there was this whole other cast of entertaining characters. I was on the edge of my seat all the time. Like, oh my God, I feel sorry for Jeb. Oh, when is he going to get his redemption arc? And then this year is just being completely boring. Yeah, but what I, think- I really find funny is Trump got none of his campaign promises done. Well, not none of them. But his big one was what you were saying, like, lock her up. He was saying he was going to send her to jail, and he didn't even try. Like, the wall, he started the wall. He at least started it. There was a few bricks. Well, we're going to get rid of the Mexicans. Well, good job, buddy. Now you've got concentration camps in Texas. Mm -hmm. But Hillary Clinton is just at home drinking champagne, laughing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think, like, to be honest, like, the campaign was a bit dreary. Because it was the same old thing. It was just Trump doing these super spreader rallies, you know, all this kind of stuff. Biden, you know, they they called, they said he was being locked in his basement, but you know, he was out <laughs> and he was doing stuff and everything. And um, but I think probably it really livened up in the first debate because in the first debate, you know, every time Biden tried to get a word out, Trump was like interrupting him and stuff like that. You know, you. You saw that, like you know, um, just try to shout him down constantly, and that, and that was his, that was his, his, his tactic was just to piss him off and get him to, you know, foster. I don't interrupt. Do I've never interrupted in my life. It's all fake <laughs> news, folks. I have never interrupted a single person. I did not just interrupt Jack Shuttleworth. If he tries to tell you I did, I'm going to sue him and I'm going to send him to Mexico. But in the same breath says he's the the best interrupter anyone's ever seen, you know, and we'll go on, he's like a he's a better interrupter than Lincoln, you know what I mean? And and like but but that was definitely like one of the, the start of when it got a bit spicy for me. I was like, ooh, look at that. Yeah. Um but it, it backfired on him and then the second one happened and we went back to Boreal boring old uh, like Biden told him to shut up and he just slinked into a corner and did it. Yeah. Come and, on, and, at least uh, at least be like, no, you should have. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> now like, who's I, raising the voice? I always think I'll be good in question time on the BBC because, like, as soon as someone's going for another person on the panel, I just <laughs> turn around and just be like, "You're taking that," you know what I mean? Because I just, <laughs> yeah. just like instigate a fight. <laughs> I know. Like, you know. Um, you know, Rishi Sunak. Does your dad live on or not? You know, I just like you know. Just like, <laughs> but I, I do feel it's something that that U.S. politics. I mean, if there's anything Trump's done, he's polarized U.S. politics and made everyone oh, yeah. hate each other. And Joe Biden, when he wins, is going to have a massive thing to sort out. Um, and and you you could see it in election results. I mean, it was tight in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. It was it was it's still tight in Georgia as we speak. You know, it, it's just. It's getting that way. And and one of the things we do worry about is uh, well, our third parties, you know, I mean, were, was it possibly the third party vote that, that took it away from Trump in places like Georgia and Wisconsin, Brian? Almost certainly. Almost certainly. Um, so the, I mean, the current uh, numbers right now, uh, certainly in Georgia, um, so they're separated by 12,000 votes as we speak. Oh. Uh, libertarians have taken 60,000 votes um now there's this there's this constant um criticism of of the third parties that are like um oh if you vote for third party you're voting for trump that's that's certainly what the democrats say but it seems this time 
that libertarians have actually helped the Democrats in places like Georgia. Because absolutely, the one thing that a lot of people forget is that the libertarians are actually just soft Republicans. They're they're Republican light, um, mm-hmm. or liberal Democrats as we'd call them over here. Um, they, I mean, with a with sixty thousand votes, like if, if uh, just a, a quarter of them went to Trump, Trump would easily take Georgia easily. And I think the Democrats need to be a bit more thankful and uh, that this has happened this time around. Um, but yeah, the third party is this time, um, they've, uh, they've not done as well as, um, as last year's election. And uh, sorry, last, um, the last, election, last US election, 2016. Um, last US election, the Libertarians took 4% or 3%, uh, the Greens took 1%. And now this year, they've only taken, Libertarians have taken 1.1% and the Greens haven't even taken half a percentage point. They've, I think they're only like 0.2 or 0.3%. That's better than the Greens do here. <laughs> um, well, actually, on that point, um, the Greens have only done slightly better than Kanye West's birthday party. Um, <laughs> I believe in Vermont, they, um, the Greens only managed to take 50, 50 votes more than Kanye. Um I, I I don't know if that's if if that's Kanye doing well or the Greens doing badly, um, but look, uh, but translate that as how you will. Um, yeah, I think um, this year's uh, third party result has shown just how polarizing uh, the Republicans and Democrats have been this year. Um, certainly in twenty sixteen, you know the Bernie Bros, uh, the Green supporters have said. You know, the Hillary and Trump, they're both demagogues. They're both, uh, you know, big, nasty people. Um, and that's what, that's what drove people to the Libertarians and the Greens. But this time we've seen, um, you know, t- two different, completely different characters, Joe Biden and Trump. Uh, Joe Biden is somewhat a positive figure, um, most people would say. And, you know, third party people, third party supporters are recognising that. And that's why um, we've seen more people go to the Democrats and abandoning their... Um, their libertarian and green uh, loyalties. Um, which I think has been very interesting this year, but I think what I'd like to see next, uh, the next election is where does it go from there? Are they going to do worse or are they going to do better? I think the main reason that we've seen such a slump in the third parties this year is because I, a lot of them were just saying like, no, no, we just need to get rid of Trump. I don't care. <laughs> I don't believe in anything anymore. Just mm-hmm. get rid of him. And you know, there's the thing I said earlier, where like the libertarians, they're all about freedom and being able to do whatever you want. And they're looking at Trump being like, mate, what's with the concentration camps? <laughs> yeah. This is what you said the Democrats would do. I think, it, I think that the third party thing is like, you know, over here, you know, in the Scottish election, we have the ability to, to vote for a third party. You know, in fact, some would even claim it's better to vote for a third party because, you know, you put the SNP or, you know, not that we're biased. Mm. So, so, so you vote SNP in the, con- in the constituency one and then you vote for the Greens or whoever else on the, or one of these, you know, uh, UKIP slash Scottish indie parties that are coming up now, you know, <laughs> that'll, be a thing we'll, that'll be a thing we'll hopefully talk about later. But, you know, um, but, but we have that ability with a third party to, to use them, you know, in, in some way, especially like in our, in our system. Um, but obviously election day came and it was exciting we all stayed up and we thought it was going to be like a uk election because newcastle and manager would call it within about 15 minutes of the polls closing mm-hmm. and then we'd get a sense of where it was going from there and that would be it but this one has now 
taken. <laughs> election night has lasted three days. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much <laughs> what I'm, when I'm sitting at, I'm watching it and I'm like, this is, how can it take so long? But I mean, if you, de- if you obviously, if you delve deeper into it, you've got states saying, nah, you can't count uh, absentee ballots and mail-in ballots until we've done all the ones on, on polling day and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, what's it been like for your emotional state, Scott, just watching it all happen and, <laughs> this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's just chaos. Mm. And like, but yeah, like how slow they're doing it is just hilarious to me. Just like seeing the percentage of Nevada be like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> like you're loading porn on a 56k dial-up router, you know? <laughs> like, you know, with a Windows 95 <laughs> uh, exactly. software. But, like, you look at the last UK election, the longest part of it was for, like, some tiny islands off the coast of Scotland. Yeah. Where they had Royal Navy ships going out there to collect the ballots. And even then, it was over and done with by two in the morning. (laughs) Oh, honestly. Brian, how's it been for you? Yeah, um, it's it's, it's been knife-edge for me, like... um, I mean, at the start of the night, um, of the actual election night, I was like, yes, but no, because I was going to get my dominoes. Um, but now it's just a case of I've just, I've just thrown a tenner into the wind and uh, never see that again. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I want, I want what's best for the world. So uh, sack that tenner, I'll make it back someday. Um, I mean, like, uh, you know, good will always prevail over evil. And or rather, that's what Disney's taught me. <laughs> and uh, well um yeah i mean like the way it's going um, i'm pretty confident biden's gonna win so um now i'm just i'm just waiting for one of the states to turn blue and uh, then i can just get on with my life really yeah. sometimes i forget that it's actually real because of all the theatrics <laughs> and i think it's like watching batman and i'm like oh i kind of do want to see the joker burn down gotham city wouldn't that be cool and then i'm like wait no these are real people oh jesus christ <laughs> I think like as well there's a lot of people in you know the UK and in Scotland and stuff like that who are who are watching people on Facebook you know and and Twitter and and all this kind of stuff um kind of just wondering why we're even bothering you know it's someone else but I mean the he they will be whoever wins will be the leader of the free world I mean you know and mm-hmm. you can bet that in January when he he had a go at the Iranian general, you know, military units up and down the UK, as soon as they heard it happened, were like, right, that's us, we're going, you know. And it's, <laughs> that's, why, that's why it matters, you know. It matters because it, it dictates the culture of, and, and the direction in which the West faces. And hopefully, it'll hopefully be the end of sort of extreme right-wing conspiracy populism. Or mm-hmm. it could Absolutely be not. It will not oh, no, be. I, I mean, it's, it's wishful thinking, hoping that, but I mean, uh, 70 million people voted for him, basically. So yeah. 70 million people are open to the idea of stuff like QAnon and the fact that <laughs> there is a deep state and, and we'll listen to Steve Bannon, who is America's mad uncle, who will just give podcasts about how... Tucker Carlson. I'm, oh. I'm just concerned I'm, as to who's, who, who's coming around the corner after Trump. Can it get mm. worse than Trump? 
Oh, you'd have no idea how much worse it can get. It can get a lot worse. I mean, you know, my you sweet have... summer child, you have so much hope in humanity. I mean, I just, I just kind of hope that the next Republican primary will be like an, a Trump family reunion. You know what I mean? Because you're just gonna have like Ivanka, poor Eric, bless him. You know what I mean? He just, he does look like a washed up sock. I mean, he's just, he's just not inspiring at all. Um, but I mean, who, who knows? what's going to happen next but we mm. i mean i hope within myself it's the end of trumpism but it does have a foothold now but i think the big question is the big question is without a year like this would biden have won no i think trump is the cause of a reason like this <laughs> <laughs> if it was if it was Biden running in 2016, Trump would have still won. That's what I reckon. Because there was, I, I, I think what um, inspires Americans is the need for change. And, you know, in, in 2016, um, Clinton was, uh, was an establishment politician. Biden was, was, the, was the vice president in 2016. If he had run another, um, another establishment politician, there was that need to drain the swamp. Um, I mean, whatever that meant, um, Americans, whether or not they were, you know, right wing or left wing, you know, agreed with that message. And like this could have been any Democrat, I reckon, any Democrat that wasn't that wasn't Hillary Clinton. And I reckon the Democrats still would have won. I mean, I, I think Bern, I think Bernie Sanders would have won uh, spectacularly if it was him this time, but. Um, but I think the Democrats could have just put any monkey in a blue in a blue tie and rosette, and um, and and they would have done okay, and I, they probably would have beaten Trump. Well, like there is so much energy behind the Bernie Sanders movement. Like the people who are going for it were so passionate about the message, and you know, like when the DNC just completely shafted him and said, like, you can have Hillary or you can have Trump, <laughs> you know. I think a lot of people were just saying, like, well, fuck the Democrats. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like Greta Thunberg's speech, like, you have stolen my dream. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think that's, that is the case for a lot of people. I mean, I think when, when Bernie Sanders sort of has poked his head uh, above the parapet in 2016 and 2020, you know, that he did have that grassroots movement, which was mm -hmm. so exciting for people. You know, people were getting engaged. <laughs> You know, you could you could almost liken it to to the yes movement in that way, but you know, it, it was it was it was the movement of people for a progressive cause, mm -hmm. and when you have, you know, the way that American politics is, you know, when you have those big corporations who need those tax breaks, you know, so they can let all boats rise in the neoliberalistic dream world that they live in, um, they're just not going to let Bernie Sanders win, and I think. Um, you know it's such a shame but it's the way it is um i think without a year like this that we've just had i think trump probably could have won um i i think he would have won it would have been slim but i think he would have won because i think that one of the main drivers and and one of the main sort of fuses for that enormous um political movement from the progressive left to get people out to vote like to get into the, the kind of minority areas and, and, and get people out and registered was the coronavirus because of the mishandling of, of what this year has been um 
you know, that's why people in Grangemouth were getting, you know, those like Instagram ads to say go and vote. And they were just going, they're, they're going down to Falkirk Council absolutely raging because they can't vote for Biden, you know. And like, um, I think without that, it would have been another Trump victory. I, I mean, it's, I'm sorry to say, but I think it just would have been like that. For sure, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Actually, with, with that in perspective, actually, you're probably right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I found this great joke. I think it was actually on the, on Nicholas Sturgeon's dank meme page. Um, I can't remember who posted it, but I don't care what Trump says about election fraud. My vote for Biden was totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw that. That was great. Thanks. Well, I think another problem is with like the establishment politicians that the Democrats go for is just you look at the speeches they do, and it turns out that crowd is actually just the camera zoomed right into the back of someone's head, and there's like twelve people there. Mm. If they had, if they had, if like Clinton or Biden had a rally too close to a graveyard, it would cause the zombie apocalypse because the dead would rise just to fuck off away from them. <laughs> yeah i think people are put off by those those types of people and i think biden was that i think just the nice grandfather that america needed you know yeah. like they'd just gone through this mad disease and they just needed someone and i mean enormous <laughs> enormous unrest as well you know and it was just yeah i mean it's just unreal i think he, he is the right fit he is the right fit Okay, so Brian, yes. this week you watched Bora. I did. Is nice. Bora, two subsequent movie film, came out on Amazon Prime uh, last week. And well, what do I think? I don't think it was as good as the first one. And but I mean it was still funny. But um, but basically we see we see Borat coming back to the land of the free. And just ripping the absolute piss out of them as they deserve to be. Um, now, I take it you've seen Borat one. Uh, a little bit, a little bit enough, enough to know what enough to know what goes on. So, I would say that this one isn't as outrageous, um, but uh, it, it's it follows the idea that uh, Borat is Kazakhstani. Um, uh, journalist, he takes his daughter over to make peace with America. He tries to sell his daughter as a wife to uh, Michael Pence, the uh, the current vice uh, vice president, but uh, not for long. <laughs> um, and uh, he he tries to hand deliver his uh, his daughter Tutar uh, for a marriage, but um, they get he gets thrown out of the rally. Um, so at the end, so towards the end of the film. Uh, Tutar, um, Borat's 15-year-old daughter, who's actually 23, 24. Um, Rudy Giuliani tries to get off with this girl, uh, Rudy Giuliani being the former mayor of New York. Um, and as he's doing, undoing his buttons on his trousers, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen bursts in and is like, oh no, she's, uh, she's too old for you, uh, presumably because he's been <laughs> in, uh, involved in other sex scandals. Um, Rudy Giuliani was saying... Oh no! Um, I was just uh, buttoning up my trousers, you know, whilst taking my microphone off and, uh, you know, laying on the bed. You know, like, that's how I like to do up my trousers. I like to lay horizontally in the bed with a, 
you know, somewhat attractive women next to me. Um, that's just how I do things, just like Rudy Giuliani. Um, but yeah, the film itself, uh, aside from that scene, um, I think was okay. Wasn't as good as the first one, but it's wild. What's interesting to me is, is that Tutar was introduced to Rudy Giuliani as a 16-year-old journalist. <laughs> the age of consent in that part of America is 18. Oof. So, oh boy. But yeah, no, like what you said, like whenever I'm doing an interview, I just love to keep the microphone just right in my underwear, you know. <laughs> Give, you know, so it's a warmer, let's call it. I'm keeping the battery warm. <laughs> I don't like, want it dying on me. So I, I, I watched it, right? But I say, I use the term watch quite loosely. I mean, my inner Presbyterian kicked in and there were just some moments <laughs> that were, they, they, it, it was too much for me. Like, I just had to fast forward it. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I think, like, one of them was when she's getting a fake tan. And it's like, you know, the moment when they're like, oh, I can't remember what he says, but it's something like, what, what, how dark should I go for? For, for the right nice white man to like it or something like that. And I was like, oh no. You know, and that was the first one. But that wasn't even the worst one. I can't even remember the worst ones. When they go to the ball and start dancing or something like that, I was like... Oh, the fertility oh. dance. Oh no, I can't Yeah, remember. yeah, that I just had to look away. I loved that bit. That I was, was like, so oh bad. my God. Right. So just yeah. legs akimbo pulling the dress up. Oh. Just seeing all these... these uh, you know these rich uh, conservatives going. Oh my! I imagine they, they would go. Oh my God! They would go. Oh my God, y'all! What's this, y'all? They um, actually did that. Those were real rich conservative kids. Yeah, they invited yeah. over to a party. Like that's just that. I think that's that's both like the genius of it, and you know, it's gonna get him arrested if it hasn't already got him arrested. You know, um, but I mean, I, 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 on the whole, I watched enough of it. To, to kind of get what was going on, but um, I, I thought it was brilliant. I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. I thought, I mean, the, the Rudy Giuliani thing I'll, I'll talk about in a minute, but I thought it was comedy with a purpose. It was like comedy with mm-hmm. the idea. I mean, he, he did exactly what he set out to do, like, which was whether the right people watch it and the right people are affected by it to see how ridiculous they are is a completely mm-hmm. different, different thing. But I think it, it totally ripped off, you know, America's not even subconscious prejudice, mm-hmm. just it's barefaced prejudice. It's very overt public prejudice in yeah. large events in the middle yeah. of city squares. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not calling Scotia some sort of like, you know, liberal haven or whatever. You know, I mean, we still have idiots, you know, that, that cut oh, about, yeah. um, on. We don't wealth. have the KKK. <laughs> yeah. No, but we have Mankey Jacob. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, that's one guy, though. <laughs> But, I mean, for me watching it, I was like, I cannot. I mean, I, you hear about these people in America, you know, but you think they're some sort of myth. And then they just come to life in this film and you're like, what? The, what? Oh, are my being, God. Are you, are you being serious? You know? These, these people the crazy thing, people. the crazy thing about Borat 2, and I was actually watching Borat 1 with my girlfriend uh, a couple of nights ago, um, just, just to see if I can get her to laugh, and I had to explain which bits were funny to her. Um, <laughs> she, she, she's a bit woke. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, one thing that I noticed from watching Borat 1 again after watching Borat 2 
is seeing the contrast in the average American between the first film, which is 2007, and this one, 2020. And it seems that it's, they've gotten a bit more outrageous. Like, um, in the first film, there was maybe probably about one racist, like one openly racist gentleman in there that was in the, um, in the rodeo scene. Uh, just before the rodeo started, and um, say yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that he wants to see like the end of Muslims and uh, uh, and you know gay people and all and, and all that, but like it seems in this one, like because like, they've they've had a, a full Trump presidency uh, since that film came out, um, it seems as almost as if people aren't so closeted with their conservative, uh, the conservative views, their homophobia, the racism, and it seems like there's just more people that are for that now. And you can really see that just in the interactions that Sasha has with, with everyone. Uh, Scott? Well, yeah, like, when you have four years of someone as ludicrous, like, ludicrous as Trump out there in the public eye saying all these crazy things, all of a sudden the same people who would say equally batshit things suddenly feel empowered, they feel safe. Like, you've got Trump saying all this misogynist things and all this stuff about immigrants and Muslims. And then you've got, like, Mike Pence, who basically wants to have a rerun of Auschwitz where you just stick all the gays in the camps. You know, that is an actual thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He he holds those opinions. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have people coming out and just be like, yeah, I think we need to get rid of the Muslims. Mm. And you're going to have more people coming out and more and more and more and then eventually you just have this massive landslide you're going to have all the racists coming out and they're going to be feeling empowered and then you know snap black lives matter movement half of america's on fire Hmm. like it's so true that's you know my kind of opinion of the film is it is so true um it's very close to it and it cuts close to the bone and even you know the black lives matter thing um i was completely shocked by it um but i think that you know it's all very good saying i was i was very shocked by it i was i felt very guilty but it's not about me it's not it's not about us as sort of like white men and and sasha baron cohen you know when he was talking about it was like you know this is just, this is not about me. The film is not about me. It's not about Borat. It's about, you know, taking a look at, the, taking a look at themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think the world kind of has to take a look at it, look at itself um, in times like these, because you've got Trump in America. You've also got Golden Dawn in Greece, um, which are, who are Nazis, you know, let's be, let's be mm-hmm. serious. I mean, they've, oh, they've been outright Nazis. complete Nazis. Yeah, yeah. You've got, you know, authoritarian leaders like ripping up the world essentially you know you've got um lukashenko in belarus you've got uh, erdogan in turkey i mean i could go on and on and on i think the world really actually has to have a look at itself and, and reclaim its democracy and reclaim mm-hmm. its sense of who it is um from you know people who are frightened and have these opinions um but i love the film i thought it was hilarious i love I, uh sasha baron cohen's movies in general because it's such a strange mix of journalism narrative storytelling character acting and jackass yeah (laughs) Yeah. like they're just going out into public and pranking people 
And, you know, it just all swings back around. Mm-hmm. It's like he just shows people what the world is like through this narrative storytelling, through the mm-hmm. characters that he portrays. And then that's just sort of, that's just, his characters are just a stage to present to people the real world. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like, I think it's genuinely unappreciated what he does. Yeah. Underappreciated. I think the reason I didn't like Borat 2 as much as I like Borat 1 is because I actually thought there was too much plot in Borat 2. I just want, I just like watching people make fools of themselves. And I think, you know, we've we got all these lovely scenes between, uh, between Borat and Tutar, which I think it was sweet. But at the same time, I just wanted to see uh, Sasha Baron going to rip the piss out of people, which is what, what, why I, enjoy, I really loved Borat 1. Um, just getting them to say all this racist stuff, all this homophobic stuff, uh, all the sexist stuff, just to show them, just to show people just how ridiculous and um, out there people are. Because um, mm. I think I, I think that's like that was the beauty of Borat One. Um, not, not that I want people to be saying this stuff, but because um, I just think we like. I like I find humor in uh, in Sasha just ripping the piss out of these people like that's that's what I love um but I think um and while we did get that in Borat too I I think it was there was just too much plot um and there wasn't enough of you know those public pranks that you know we we came to love in Borat 1 I think the reason there's so much plot is because you have to have some way of framing the absolute lunacy that was going on there <laughs> Like, it's like you know how do you how do you get an excuse to show this crazy shit and this crazy shit and this crazy shit? And it's yeah. Uh, I think he just he he made it a lot more about the frame than the big picture itself. I agree, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of it was him just trying to find some excuse to show off them. Just what all yeah. the weird stuff that's going on there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us are saying that all Americans are like that. You know, I mean, I think that yeah. there are decent Americans who are just normal people. Um, and But, I mean, it, it, it does rip the band-aid off. You know, it completely does. Um, but no, I thought it was brilliant. Um, we'll talk about Brexit now. Yes. Oh, boy. Like, what is going on? You know, like, I, I just, I just feel like, I just feel like it just, there's just no end. It just keeps going on, but there is an end, and it's happening soon. Um, I think it's the, I mean, the first of January is, we're leaving day. Yep, that's it. We're out. <laughs> oven ready pie or not, and uh, <laughs> Boris, Boris has turned around in the recent weeks and said. Pie's not ready, fellas. You know, like, what are we going to do? The um, problem is, is it's oven ready and he stuck it in the microwave and it fucking exploded. <laughs> like, oven ready or not, I don't think Scotland wants to stay for tea anyway. You know, I think it's, <laughs> that, that's just the end of it, really. Um, but, I mean, uh, it's just cock up after cock up after cock up after cock up, like, this year with this, with this government. I mean, I just, from XL... To, to Brexit to everything, the more I look at it, if there was an election this year, they'd be they'd be done, they'd be toast. Um, oh, the fact sure. that, that a lot they, of the yeah a lot no, of the, they'd be screwed. Yeah, they'd be gone. And I mean, the, most of the folk that 
have made these decisions um, are still in the jobs, which is nuts, absolutely nuts. Um, and it just it just keeps going on and on and on. Brian? Yeah. Um, my Brexit cupboard is filling up with my canned food and my dried pasta and rice. Um, it's been a fun one, uh, but uh, I'm going to outlast this uh, Brexit apocalypse uh, longer than you guys will. Um, yeah. It's it's scary um, having leaders that you know that don't know what's actually going on, and it's a, it's a clusterfuck. It's an absolute clusterfuck. Um, but I mean, the only way I can see out of this is you know good old Scottish independence. Let's rejoin Europe. Oh no no no! We've we've got a saviour. Douglas Ross. Oh, yes. <laughs> Captain Charisma is here. You know, don't worry. <laughs> Boris has sent in the big ones. He's gotten rid of the old-fashioned bootstraps small business guy and gone for the land-owning referee in some sort of wild card mm-hmm. replacement at, at last minute when with, with, with the men in grey suits came to Jackson Carlaw's house and were like, hello, Mr. Carlaw. Yeah, see you later. We've got, we've got another one. And he's mm-hmm. just as bad as any of them really i think is the only way i can describe it did you did you see that um jacks uh, not the one uh, douglas ross is getting investigated by fifa right now for yes. um yeah yeah for the impartiality thing and yes. he like, brought his football career into his political stuff so basically what happened was um he he put his um pictures of him in fifa tops uh, on on his on his election leaflets or something, mm-hmm. and the and, and the board, the, the FIFA board are like, you can't have that. You're using our logo um, to promote your uh, to promote your political party. You can't have that. So now he's getting he's getting investigated. Yeah, basically, from the FIFA standpoint, he was implying that FIFA endorsed the you know Scottish Conservative Unionist Party, which they absolutely don't, since FIFA operate on a global scale. Not on an Elgin scale. <laughs> like, they don't I mean, care about, you know, forests. They care about the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I mean, like, you know, I mean, uh, FIFA are not exactly, you know, all sunshine and roses. I mean, they are one of the most corrupt organizations oh, in the world. Sure. But even when the most corrupt organization in the world investigates you, you kind of have to have a look at yourself there and be like, okay, am I doing something? Am I the baddie? Am I the baddie here? Um, I think that's that's something like Douglas Ross has got to have a think about, you know what I mean? Like, and then he went on and did a video. Uh, I can't remember what, what, where it was at. It doesn't really matter because I don't care what he said. Um, You know, and he basically was going on, and he was getting to the climax of what he was saying, and his fire alarm went off, and it was glorious. And you can see the exact moment his soul leaves his body. <laughs> no, it's just that slow just... eye close. <laughs> it's, it's just that wasn't it's a the... slow eye close. That was him actually dying on the spot out of sheer shame. And then the Tories just reloaded another clone of him. <laughs> like, I mean. But the thing is, though, it just—it was so perfect. It was just so perfect. It was such a good moment. Um, you can see the video on the national, but it, it's just—it's just one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. And you know, it—it it, it just says so much about the conservatives in Scotland, in, in the sense that you know, 
the momentum is with the yes movement and you know the momentum is with progressive politics and you know the the idea that we're gonna turn around to a landowning referee and say you're the best one for the job is is just ridiculous <laughs> um you know and and i just I, I cannot imagine him getting anywhere in 2021 i'm just waiting for a tory to stand up in the scottish parliament and ask nicola sturgeon to apologize for mandatory fire alarms <laughs> now that's a richard leonard thing to do yeah exactly yeah yeah and we call Douglas Ross Captain Charisma, you know, <laughs> Richard Lennon there, you know. But, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's not looking good for the Tories and Labour. I think the SDB poll had them at something like 17, 18 or 19% between the two of them. I mean, it's not, it's not looking great for them. I, I don't the, think... The last poll I, I saw, which I think came out today or yesterday, um, Labour have actually overtaken the Conservatives in second place in the Scottish Parliament. And uh, the SNP, I think they were on 70 or 71 seats. But what was interesting was that the Greens are on 11, which uh, gives the independence majority a pretty stonking majority of about 30-odd, 33. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, I can, I can get behind the Greens. You know, I, I like the Greens. Um, when you're, like, think... the leader of the Conservatives and see your party on a level playing field with the Greens, you might have fucked up. <laughs> You'd have thought the men in grey suits would have come for you by now. <laughs> the, yeah, the Greens are in 11. I believe the Conservatives were in 19. I think that's, that's quite damning. Like The fact that the Greens are like probably one of the most marginal third parties, third parties in Scotland, and they're catching up with the, with the second party. It's... It's, it's it's kind of damning, but I mean, I really just think the momentum is with yes. You know, I mean, sure. people will look at the oven ready deal and call it undercooked. They're gonna call even if we do get a deal. You know, they're gonna turn around and say that is awful. <laughs> you know, that's pretty awful. Um, and I, I think they're just gonna look at at the world and, and they're gonna look at places like. Slovakia, they're going to look at places yeah. like Denmark and Finland, Czech Republic, Norway, Sweden, Finland, yeah, veritable paradises. And and I think you know we'll take that. You know we will take that. We will take yeah. not being on the G on the G seven as if that's like some sort of great <laughs> thing to be on. You know, um, <laughs> we'll just do our own thing. We don't care. We'll just, I mean, you know, and I, I I look at that and I just think. I think we've all had enough of that. And I think it is coming yet for all that. And it, it's just about time, I think. I think people are realising that, which is just even better. It's like, what I was saying, it's like what I was saying earlier. He's taken this oven-ready deal, quote-unquote. He's ignored the foil on it, bunged it in the microwave, and it all blew up in his face. <laughs> like, he did this. Like, this isn't the EU... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, if you yeah. stick a spoon in a microwave and get shocked, are you going to blame Japan because that's where it was made? No. You just stuck a spoon in a microwave, you wally. <laughs> no. But, but, at least we get Tim Tams now. Of course. And soy sauce. And soy sauce from, sauce. from, from random countries. Fuck it, anyway. let's all go to Yosushi. <laughs> anyway. Thank you for listening to the Bleeding Heart Scotchcast. 
You can follow us on Instagram, the BH Scotchcast. Um, and next time, I'll be speaking to Andrew Bachelor from Dundee Culture and presenter of Dundee Cast. Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe.